With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome into this Thursday episode of Flippin' Bats. We got a great one for you today. The NFL isn't the only one drafting today because we're picking our own dream teams. J-Rod, Shohei, Juan Soto, who will be the first player taken? Alex is officially on the clock. Also, Fernando Tatis Jr. was dancing in the outfield at Wrigley while getting heckled by the outfield bleachers. Close your eyes if you hate fun, because it's all coming at What is up, my friends? Thursday episodes are always fun. It's always a blast. Today is a little bit different. We got the NFL draft going on today. So as I mentioned, Alex will be doing our own draft, our own dream team, as if we're starting a team from scratch. That's going to be fun. Um, we got the BVPs today, top mm-hmm. five update on the MVP if both leagues were combined. Uh, this is going to be a blast. I love draft days in any sport across all the leagues because this is the day where dreams come true, right? You can kind of feel it in the air. It, it, it's a fun, magical time for so many people and athletes and families who have spent their entire lives like going towards this one goal. So, okay, obviously – we're going to do our own dream team MLB draft. But uh-huh. because it is the NFL draft day, who do you have going first overall? You got Carolina Panthers, who traded up. They got it from Chicago, yep. got the first pick. The Bears. First off, can this is just a sign tangent. I didn't think okay. I was going to go on. The fact that the Texans won their last game the way they did and yeah. didn't get a, didn't end up getting the first pick. They got pick. the second. The I second know. Pick. I know. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know. I know the odds on favorite, but I, I no go with your gut. Go with your gut. I mean, the odds tell you what's gonna. Well, happen. I'm picking Bryce Young from Alabama yeah. going first overall. Who do you think's gonna go? I, the I will just say Levis. You I, think it's the Kentucky quarterback? I think there's a chance. Okay, That's all I'll say. I I'm gonna say I think chance. he's gonna go higher than most people think. I am gonna say though, I think the over on three and a half quarterbacks in the first round is what you should take. Wow. I get all of my info from Cynthia Freeland. She's the analytics expert at NFL Network. Shout out to you, Cynthia. She is like, <laughs> I'm like, give me everything I need. Give it to me all. It's a big day. It's a big day. So we'll do our draft. Also, it's been a, a big week so far. Alex, as you know, my power rankings come out on Monday. Yep. And man, were the power rankings were a point of contingency for people because the Astros got quite the bump this week from mm-hmm. me. And people were not happy that the Astros were two and one that they were behind the Rangers who were at like seven or eight. And I must say, yep, the Astros beat the best you team in good. baseball in a series. You did good. The Rangers, I, I don't love this, but the Rangers got swept by the Reds. Mm-hmm. So, but that was a big series. Astros was. Reds. In the last two games of the series, the Astros shut them out. The best offense in baseball. 
Good series. Astros are rolling. Yeah, I mean, it was. it's always, you know, it's a great game when you win by one run. Yeah. 1-0 win for the rubber match. That, so that was big for the Astros. As we get into our draft. Yes. So as, as we mentioned, NFL Draft Day, Alex and I are going to start our own draft of MLB players as if we are starting a franchise and starting it from scratch and building for the future. That is what we are going to do. So, Alex, it is draft day. Do you have a team, you have a team name? I'm going with Benny Batflips. The Benny Batflips. Wait, Flips. what? I just thought of this. Why so. didn't you tell me this? I, I didn't just even thought of think it. about it. Let's go. Alex, you are on the clock. It is draft uh. day. We are drafting our dream team. So, Alex. First overall pick, you are on the clock. This is a no-brainer. With the first overall pick, I select Shohei Otani. He is the future of baseball. He has changed the game forever. And if I am building a team around one single player, how can you not go with Shohei Otani? He is dominant on the mound. He is in the Cy Young conversation and probably top one, two at this point in the season. He has had an MVP caliber season the last three years. Just blasted his sixth home run last night. He's 3-0 in five starts with a 0.64 ERA, 38 strikeouts in 28 innings pitched. I mean, we can go on and on about the unicorn and incredible baseball player that Shohei Otani is. So, yeah, he is my first overall pick. All right. I like it. With my first overall draft pick, drafting to Benny Bat Ben's bad flips. Okay, buddy Ben. I, I'm going with Julio Rodriguez. Give me the face of my team for the next two decades. This guy is quickly becoming already the face of baseball. One of the faces of baseball. Last year, there's an argument that he had the best rookie season of all time. Julio led major leaguers last year, led rookies in home runs, B-War, OPS, total bases, and the last five rookies to lead in all of those categories, one rookie of the year. Mike Trout, Jose Abreu, Chris Bryant, Aaron Judge, Pete Alonzo, and Alex, you might say, hmm. that's pretty good territory. Let me do you one better. Okay. Julio is one of four rookies aged 21 or younger with a six-plus B-War and a 145 OPS-plus season. And MLB history joining, listen to this company, Ted Williams, Albert Pujols, and Mike Trout. Julio Rodriguez is the future of this sport. I believe he is the future face of baseball. He is the face of my franchise for the next two decades because he's only 22 years old. So though you have the best player in baseball right now, mm -hmm. you get him for maybe 10 years. I'll have Julio for two decades. Okay. This guy had last year arguably the greatest rookie season of all time, doing things that have never been done. 25 homers and 25 stolen bases has never, ever been done in a debut season. He is the perfect face for my franchise. He is the perfect face for the current game of baseball, and I love having him as my number one overall draft pick. Julio Rodriguez, the J-Rod Show. All right. All right, Alex, you're back on the clock. Yep. With my second pick, I select Randy Arozarena. Woo! I know, I know. I became a huge Randy fan just in the last year. He's obviously the 2021 
Rookie of the Year, just exploded, I think, into everybody's hearts at the World Baseball Classic. But what I love about Randy is he's he feels like a culture guy. He sets the tone. He's having fun while he plays. He is the full package. And I just think he's a great player who has the kind of swag that can bring a team together and you can rally around a leader like Randy. All right. I like it. Let's go on for to my pick number two and joining Team Benny Badflips. Ronald Acuna Jr. Give me Ronnie, baby. In his second <laughs> full season, he almost became the fifth player ever to go 40-40, 40 home runs, 40 stolen bases. I wholeheartedly believe that at some point in his career, he will go 40-40. Let's just think about Ronald's career for a quick second. Year number one, 2018, rookie of the year. Year number two, 2019, ends up fifth in the MVP voting and hits 42 homers and steals 37 bases. So three stolen bases away from going 40-40 in his second season. Then you have 2020, a COVID year. Then you have 2021, the year he gets injured, unfortunately. He was an all-star having a great year on pace to be right on track for about 40-40. Then he comes back, right? Freakishly fast last year, but not himself. This year... We're seeing Ronald Acuna hit around 350. Home runs already are right on track to be what they have been his whole career. This is honestly, if you think about it, the third full healthy season for Ronald Acuna because I do not believe he was healthy last year. We are seeing that in his play this year. Ronald Acuna is an absolute star. I love Ronnie. I love watching how well he's playing this year, and I want him on my team. He's only 25 years old, and I love starting a team with Julio Rodriguez and Ronald Acuna Jr. That's number two for me. Alex, right. you're back on the clock. I'm back on the clock. Three. And with my third pick, I'm selecting Adley Rutschman. Yep. Catcher for the Orioles. He's one of the top catchers in the game right now and he's only in his second major league season now opening day do you remember he went five for five (laughs) with a home run the first player to do so on opening day since 1937 he's batting 278 with four home runs 16 rbi right now he is the future and he is going to be the future of my team He's also, Alex, the future of flipping bats. Ooh, nice tease. For, yeah, a little foreshadowing When's here. it coming? Adley is coming on a future episode of yeah. Flipping Bats. I think next Wednesday is Love when that. that will be. So keep an eye out for Adley, who I wholeheartedly agree is a, future, a huge part of the future of this sport. And for him to do what he's doing at the catcher position this year, where he's played in every game, is mm-hmm. just mind-blowing. So... That's your third pick. With the third overall pick for my team, I am taking Jordan Alvarez. Easy to forget how young Jordan still is, 25 years old and already breaking tons of record. He is the fastest Houston Astro in history to 100 home runs. He beat one of Ted Williams' most impressive record, which is most RBIs in the first 45 games of a major league career. That record stood for 80 years. Jordan is doing what he's doing in 
not just the regular season. We saw him up close and personal last year, Alex, in the World Series. Mm -hmm. The hit that essentially won the Astros the World Series against Mentor and, and the Braves. Uh, he's clutch. He does it all. He's young. He's one of, if not the best hitter in baseball right now, and still super young. I want him on my team. So I'm going with Jordan Alvarez for my third pick. Julio, Ronald Acuna, Jordan Alvarez. Love it. On to round number four. Alex, kick us off for the fourth round. With my fourth pick, I select Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I'm bringing some more power to this lineup. He is just great on both sides of the ball. As I mentioned, I think a lot of the guys here that I've picked like to have fun. They like to have fun while they're playing. And Vladdy is one of those guys. He's the future, another future face of baseball, who's only 24 years old. He's already a two-time All-Star, Gold Glove winner, Silver Slugger Award, Hank Aaron Award winner, and was the MLB Home Run Leader in 2021. He was in that MVP battle and conversation. I love the way he plays, and I love having him on my team. It's a good power threat right there in the middle of your lineup for a long time. And... With my fourth pick and the eighth overall pick in the Flippin' Bats draft, I'm going to take Juan Soto. Now, let me, let me just start by saying Juan Soto, before last year, was on pace to do things that have never been done before. And he still is. Let's not forget that Juan Soto is 24 years old. But we were talking, heading into last season – about Juan Soto at 23 years old being the best hitter in baseball and talking about him potentially being what would go down as one of the greatest of all time hitters. Now, last year was a bit of a struggle, which is why I believe Juan Soto fell to eighth in this draft. If it wasn't for last year and the start to this year, I believe Juan Soto is going probably first or second if, if you're if Shohei's going first, Juan Soto's right there, right after that. Um, but a bit of a slow last year. But Juan Soto has broken already in his career. Again, he's 24 years old. There's plenty of players that Aaron Judge hadn't even debuted at that point at 24 years old. Juan Soto has had a very established big league career at, already. So the first few years of his career, he was one of the best hitters in baseball. Um, broke Ted Williams record for most walks by a player under the age of 24, which might not sound like the most exciting thing in the world, but it goes to show you the plate discipline this guy has. And it all starts there. And before last season, again, we were saying he's the best hitter in baseball. Has it gone away that quickly? No, it's in there for Juan Soto. He's 24. He'll be fine. He needs to figure out this pitch clock and how to handle the mental warfare back and forth with the pitcher. He's struggling right now. But this guy is going to be a stud in the league for a long, long time to come. And I am pleased that he fell to me with the eighth overall pick in the draft. Give me Juan Soto. So that's through four rounds. Yeah. Our final round. We're doing five. We are. So the fifth and final round of the draft. Alex, kick us off. Well, with my final pick, a teammate of your last pick, also a young star, Fernando Tatis Jr. is my fifth overall pick. He's back, baby, okay? I am under the impression and belief that he had learned his lesson, he has done his time, 
He's not letting the heckling get to him this year. We'll talk about that in, in just a little bit. But once he gets settles, settled in, he has all the potential to be great. And we're slowly seeing that in his first week back in the big leagues. And just a little reminder of how great he was his last full healthy season in 2021. He was in that MVP conversation. He led the National League in home runs. He was fifth in all of Major League Baseball and second in slugging. He's great at what he does on both sides of the ball, on defense, at the plate. He has fun while he's playing, and I think he is going to be a great addition to my team. Yeah, you know, just thinking about this, like, the reason he was able to go, like, let's be honest, if it weren't for a suspension yeah. and his career kept going on the track it was, he would have been a first or second yep. rounder, but because the guy got injured and was suspended – I mean, he's still the same know. baseball player. Yep. So, good pick. Thanks. Um, on to my fifth and the final pick of our draft. I am going with a pitcher, Spencer Strider, 24 years old. There's not a player on my team older than 25 years old. Spencer Strider, last year, became the fastest pitcher to 200 strikeouts in a season beating Randy Johnson's prior record. Now, Spencer Strider didn't even pitch all last year, wasn't a starting pitcher all last year, came up at a certain point and and still broke this record. And now this year, we're seeing him have an unbelievable start to the year. He is my choice for the NL Cy Young Award in his second season. He's 24 years old. He's the perfect ace of my staff for a long, long time to come. He took a perfect game earlier this week, late into the game, mm -hmm. a no-hitter into the eighth. I couldn't think of a better ace of my staff for a long time to come than Spencer Strider. And here's an interesting an interesting stat I saw on Spencer Strider because we know the guy throws 100, he has nasty breaking stuff, but what makes Spencer Strider so nasty was an interesting thing that I saw. There are two MLB pitchers with 98-plus mile-an-hour fastballs that have above-average extension – below average release height and an above average carry on their pitches. Jacob DeGrom Oof. and Spencer Strider. That is it. Pretty good territory to be in with Epic something company. like that. So Spencer Strider, my pitcher, my ace of my staff, and that rounds out our draft, Alex. So I went Julio Rodriguez, Ronald Acuna, Jordan Alvarez, Juan Soto, and Spencer Strider. I like your team, too. Oh, I did great. How do you feel? How do you feel? Oh, I feel great. I was curious if you were going to take a picture because Otani, you get both. So I got that right off the top. And I, I'm also a little surprised. No Corbin Carroll, especially since you are the driver of the bandwagon. I am the driver of the bandwagon. But who, like, you're right. I needed yeah. a picture. And who, like, Juan Soto, Jordan, Ronald Acuna, Julio. That just speaks volumes to the direction the league is going. That's I'm true. Saying. But you know, it was actually. I, that's why I was like, oh, It was actually so difficult okay. for me to not pick Corbin Carroll yeah. as the leader of the bandwagon. But you know, he's he's in my top ten for sure. Okay. I mean, so. Uh, but Alex, <laughs> that does it for our flipping bats draft of our dream teams. Uh oh. Uh oh. Close your eyes, everyone. Close your eyes. If you hate fun because we had some more action just the other day, Fernando Tatis dancing out in the outfield at Wrigley Field while the fans 
were heckling him. He was getting heckled all day long. And later in the game, I believe it was in the fifth inning, fans started chanting, he's on steroids. And Fernando Tatis, in full Fernando Tatis fashion, just starts dancing. Just did a little dance, a little shindig, did the I love you sign to the fans, was just having fun with the fans out there. And this sent the world into an absolute (laughs) frenzy. Why? The guy's simply dancing in the outfield. What I would say to you is Fernando Tatis isn't currently on steroids. He wasn't doing steroids in the outfield. So why are people so mad at him for just dancing? Are you mad at him because he previously took steroids? Sure. Fine. But this has nothing to do with that. He's simply dancing. So people act like he should be hated forever because they've never done anything wrong in their lives. He is 24 years old. You have to remember, he is a young kid. So when this happened, what, he was probably 23? 22, 23? The the injuries started happening at 22. Yeah, so he was so young. Those are college years for most people. Do you want your college years to be publicized? Like, everybody has something like this. He did his time. It looks like he learned his lesson. And what do you want him to do, cry about it? No, he's having fun. This is exactly how you should be handling the situation. Like, okay, I'm going to get hate, but I'm just going to shake it. He was doing, like, the Taylor Swift shake it off. This, yeah, this was him I love before it. the injury. I know. Before the suspension. He was having fun. He'd hit homers. He'd dance around the bases. He'd engage with fans. Now, these fans were get, were heckling him, but he doesn't care. And this isn't him, like, taunting the crowd. He was just having fun, dancing in the outfield. So this entire situation, everybody wanted to make about the steroids. Well, guess what? He's done. He's done his time. He made a mistake. It was a it was a mistake. He was young. He was injured and he took steroids to try and come back faster from his injury, which was a mistake. And I hate steroids and I don't like that, but he's back. So my whole point here is exactly what you said. Everyone's out there heckling him or or on social media saying, huh, you, what you're condoning cheating. No, no, no. He's not cheating. He's no. dancing. Is he cheating by dancing? Like, what do you want no. to do? Like, yell back at the crowd, flip him off? Like, there are so many other routes that could have been anger-driven routes he could have done. This is a happy, positive human who got a second chance. He's doing his best he can in his second chance, and he's having fun. This is what you want to see. It's exactly the way he should be handling it. So, as I like to do, as we now keep doing these close your eyes if you hate yep. fun segments let's bring in some tweets that i got because Ooh. you know I, I i tweeted the situation saying yep incredible tatis out there dancing in the outfield as he's getting heckled showing he literally did the i love you sign yeah. to the fans like he was having fun with it all and i said close your eyes if you hate fun so let's show some <laughs> of these tweets that i, I got alex imagine. because the world was up in a frenzy about this but they went everywhere from wow condoning and and cheering on a cheater first off no yeah i'm not condoning the cheating these are we are adults we can separate the situations of what he did a year ago and what he was doing in the outfield where he was simply dancing there were some that were simply just you're an idiot to which i respond 
Okay. Okay. Where's that coming from? Um, I mean, it was all over the place. I I will say, I think the majority of people, the majority loved this. Yeah. Hands down, easy to say. The majority of people loved this. But there were the people that were there saying, and it was all the same. How can you condone this? You're cheering on a cheater, blah, blah, blah. No, this isn't. This is cringe. It's cringe. Well, one, do you, have you ever watched Fernando Tatis play baseball? This is him. Yeah. This He has fun playing the game. He enjoys bantering with the crowd if they're giving him crap about it. So the entire situation I thought was funny. The responses are forever it's just it's just great i feel like those people need a hug do you need a hug are you okay are you so (laughs) angry in your own life that you're getting mad at a 24 year old who got a second chance and is doing great at a second chance dancing off haters yelling at him in the outfield that is the best kindest probably most mature response he could have given so way to go yeah fernando tatis jr i agree We'll dance with you. Good good for you guys. Yeah. And, and by the way, it'd be tough not to mention the, the irony of the situation yeah. is that it's happening in the outfield at, at Wrigley where Sammy Sosa used to play. And we yeah. all know the, the whole thing there, which, again, it's just ironic, you know, the whole the whole situation and the tweets that came about from it. So, you know, I, you know, I love Tatis, the player. Yep. You know, I've been very vocal about him being immature and needing to grow up. Mm-hmm. And that is specifically discussing the mistakes that he made off of the field, riding a motorcycle, getting in an accident, taking the steroids to try and recover faster. And as you mentioned, Alex, all of these mistakes happened at 22, 23 years old. OK, put yourself in those shoes. And if you're saying you never made a mistake in <laughs> your life or that you didn't deserve a second chance, well, look, he's back now. He's done his time. And he's back to being the player that we became accustomed to before. Mm-hmm. Good baseball player, has fun, is great for the game in terms of the energy that he plays yep. with and all of that stuff. So um, close your eyes if you hate fun. Fernando Tatis is back, and he's going to be doing a lot of things like this. So let's move on, Alex, to something that we've been doing every Thursday. Yeah. My BVPs. So BVP, acronym for Ben's valuable players. Essentially, mm-hmm. it's my most valuable players so far this year. If you combine the two leagues, so it's not an AL and an NL thing, it's top five players so far. So let's start at number five. Yeah, you got a lot of first timers on the list this I year. I think three of the three five. Three of the five, starting with number five, Mike Trout. Yeah, I have a feeling Mike Trout's going to be on this list. For- How'd it take him so long? <laughs> yeah. Because there were, some, there were some other players yeah. just going absolutely bonkers. And then you look at it, and Mike Trout, ho-hum, batting 311 on the year, five homers, 13 RBI, and an OPS right around 1,000. 993 OPS. Trout is off to a great start to the year. And by the way, obviously this is a season award, mm-hmm. not a career thing. Yeah. Mike Trout's career war we're talking about him being off to a great start right 311 five homers 13 rbis on the year and that's good for a 993 ops which is high in his career mike trout now has a career ops of a thousand just absolutely bonkers mike trout is at number five on my list and number four off to a great start this season also a first time on your list 
Brandon Marsh. Also a friend of ours. We, we love became him. good friends with Brandon Marsh, we love Marsh during the during the playoffs and the NLCS and the World Series. And Brandon Marsh this year, I am so excited to see how well he is playing. 351 with four homers, 13 RBI, and an OPS north of 1,100. Brandon Marsh has had been known so far in his career, still young, as like a really good defensive outfielder. But, you know, as he was coming up, Brandon Marsh with the Angels was kind of like, this guy's going to be, this guy can hit, he can do it all. And he really never quite put it all together with the Angels just yet. But again, still super young. Comes over to the Phillies and we see the flashes of it. We see, wow, this guy, this guy can can hit a little bit. And now this year, he's been their best player. Yes. I mean, he's been so good for that team that we came into the year talking about Trey Turner and Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber and JT Real Muto. And imagine how good they're going to be when Bryce Harper comes back. All true. Yeah. But Brandon Marsh has been their best player. And he's here at number four on my list of BVP. Love to see it. Number three, also first time on the list, Jared Kelnick. This one makes me happy to be able to say because for a while I have been saying this will be the Jared Kelnick breakout season. I believe in our season previews mm -hmm. going back a long time. You've now, talked about him a lot a this month. year. Jared Kelnick was my breakout player for the Mariners because I really liked what I saw in spring training from him. It was a different approach. Um, his rhythm, his timing at the plate, everything just looked so much better. And he was doing well in spring training, which wasn't a rarity. We've seen him absolutely dominate the minor leagues. Jared Kelnick is too good for the minor leagues. And we've seen him dominate in spring training. But he, he was becoming the definition of that 4A player. Now, what I mean by that is there's single, double, triple A, and then there's the big leagues. But Jared Kelnick was that 4A guy where he was too good for AAA, but wasn't yet performing at the major leagues. So he couldn't quite crack that like big league, figured out at the big leagues, but he was way too good for the minors. So that 4A guy essentially is what I'm saying. But this year, 325, seven homers. If you remember, he had four games in a row where he hit a home run, mm -hmm. 14 RBIs, an OPS over 1,000. Uh, I love what I'm seeing from Jared Kelnick. And if he can be the player... I tweeted this the other day after he hit a home run. Jared Kelnick, the player we were promised. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing right now. And I'd be lying to you if I thought, even at the beginning of the year when I said he's going to break out, if I thought he would be on this list right now, shout out to him. Uh, it appears he's figured it out, and I, I'm, I'm pumped to see it. Moving on to your top two spots. Now, the man at number two held the number one spot the last two weeks, so he's down one spot, Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman is still on the list, but at number two, he has slid down one spot. 364 on the year with five homers, 18 RBIs, and an OPS over 1,100. I mean, it's just dominant, mm -hmm. but I will say he's been number one on this list because he's been hit, he was hitting like 400 all year long and hitting a home run every day. So is it right to say that he's slowed down? No, not really. That's why I have him as the second best player in baseball so far this year. Hitting 364, absolutely tearing the cover off the ball and playing great, great defense over at third base. So that leads to number one. So I've had Mike Trout, Brandon Marsh, Jared Kelnick, and again on this list, but at number two, Matt Chapman.
which leaves Alex. Uh, who's been on this list at number two the entire season, finally cracking that number one spot, Shohei Otani. He has been number two all year long, but he's finally taken the number one spot, Shohei Otani, who we saw hit a home run last night. He's got six homers on the year now, 16 RBI, and then on the mound. I mean, come on. 3-0, and a 0.64 ERA, an AL Cy Young front runner as we speak. I mean, the reason... The reason he's been at number two on this list all year long is because of what guys like in the first week or two of the year, what Brian Reynolds was doing, what Mm -hmm. Matt Chapman has been doing all year long. And I've been very vocal about this for Shohei to not win the MVP award. What is it going to take? It's going to take a 2022 season of Aaron judge. It's going to take a 2023 season of somebody like, a Matt Chapman has been most of the year hitting 400 and over 30 home runs. Is that realistic to think it happens? Probably not. Now a a season like judge had last year could sure happen, but are the odds that it will? I don't know. But as of right now, Shohei Otani is back in that number one spot for hitting at an elite level with six home runs, 16 RBIs and pitching better than most everybody in the game of baseball right now there has not been somebody that has been more dominant through their first five starts of the season and that includes guys that are equally as good this year and and Garrett Cole Zach Gallon's really turned it on but Shohei has been been better than him Shohei is the AL young front runner right now and probably the best pitcher in the game of baseball right now on top of being the two or three batter in that lineup and being a huge staple on their offense and hitting another home run Wednesday and six on the year. It's, it's truly remarkable. Shohei Otani is the best player in baseball and it didn't take him long to get back to the list of the top five BVPs, which is the top five Ben's most valuable players at some point in this year, which I will just be updating all year long and combining the two leagues. You want to know who the best player right now is in the game of baseball this season You don't need to get two separate leagues. You can get it all in one here for the BVP. So that does it for this week's. We got Mike Trout, first-timer. Brandon Marsh, first-time. Jared Kelnick at three, first-time. Matt Chapman at two. And Shohei Otani at number one. Twitter questions. Yeah. We got some Twitter questions. We're wrapping it up with some fan questions. Now, we ask you to send us anything you want to know. And we're going to answer them. Anything, really. So we got three. Yeah. Great. Huh. I don't know what they are. You, you can ready? Send, uh, technically, it could be non-baseball related. Yeah, too. anything you want. Just ask away. It could be... One-on-one time. Life advice. Ooh. Dating advice. Ooh. Food recommendations. Uh, oh, I got it all. Or baseball. Okay. And baseball. <laughs> okay, right. well, let's, let's start see. with baseball. This one's from Jordan. Okay. He said, Ben, random thought. But for Corbin Carroll's first to third time, how much helps that he's a lefty like if I took the fastest righty would they actually be equal or super close so this is this is a good question and to answer it I'm going to go back to when I was playing pro ball and kind of the talk that takes place about running home to first and what's called a hard 90 when you give your hard 90 what does the time need to be now hard 90 just means it's 90 feet from home to first base so a hard 90 is your hardest run out Mm -hmm. of the box down there now The average major league time home to first is a 4.2. 
Now, righties are at 4.3. Lefties are a 4.1. That's the big league average. Because, to your point, lefties are that much closer to first base. And typically what happens when a lefty swings, right? Think about myself as a righty. When I swing, my momentum is pulling me towards the third base bag. A lefty, when they swing, their momentum and their rotation is pulling them towards first base. So you swing and your immediately momentum mm -hmm. is helping you get down the line on top of you already being closer to the bag. So your question of, yes, and, and what he's referencing, Corbin Carroll the other day hit a ball to dead center field that, by the way, is the furthest hit ball this year that did not go for a home run. I think it was 422 feet, 23 feet. But what resulted is the fastest time from home to third of anybody in the major leagues this season. So, yes, being a lefty does absolutely help that, and that is something that we as minor leaguers are. Every coach, every coach in the dugout, there's somebody that is given the job of the second contact is made, clicking it and timing a batter from home to first. And then I'll get back in the dugout and be like, what was my time? What I do? Did I beat the major league average? Am I slow? You know, those are all things you want to know. So that is a good question. Yeah. Yes, it helps left-handed. All right. And yes, Alex, to answer your question, I was faster than major league average. Way to go! I once I my fastest Way to go. my fastest home to first time was a three nine seven. Wow. Not bad. Yeah. Elite at the major leagues is a is a three nine. Elite at the major leagues is a 3.9. I didn't have elite major league speed. I mean, that's close. Kind of quick. Yeah. Yeah. You're right there. Yeah. Thanks for asking that follow-up, Alex. Oh, I you're mean, welcome. Thank, I'm thanks glad for, I got the chance. Thanks to. for answering that, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for sharing that knowledge. All right. What's okay. the next one? Next one is from Steph. Okay. Question is, has Xander Bogards been the best free agent signing to date? Ooh. Mm. So, Xander's having a great year so far. Yeah. I'm going to... Hmm. Mm -hmm. this answer this just popped in my head i could be missing somebody egregious that's like ben you're an idiot this guy's hitting 650 with 20 homers but i doubt i'm missing somebody like that okay xander is having a very good year numbers wise but i'm going to give a different answer okay because of the numbers he's putting up and the team performance so far i see you xander bogarts i raise you cody bellinger Ooh. batting 300 playing good center field a bunch of homers already to start the year the guy's back yeah and the the cubs signed him for i think it was 17 million dollars so you didn't pay him like the cody bellinger that we've seen over the last couple of years but you didn't not pay him like a guy you didn't you also didn't pay him like a guy hitting 180 and now he's hitting 300 hitting homers been a big part of that lineup I know Xander right now, his numbers have been better, right? He's hitting like around 320, I think five homers. But it's hard to say that he's been the best pickup when the team can't get going, right? So I think Cody's a fun answer. And they here. also kind of got Cody for a steal. So that could be right. like the best signing because you're getting a lot also of bang for of your buck. Right? Yeah. Exactly. I can see that. So I'm going to say Cody Bellinger. Ooh. I dig that. Okay, we go. You go. Just thinking off the, technically, okay, keep going. Technically, 
I guess Aaron Judge was a free agent. I was going to say that, but he went to the same team. It doesn't and I, feel... I keep saying, I've said that to you a couple times. You're like, yeah, but he didn't go to a new team. Like, eh, But that's, okay. you see it happening in my I head. I know, but like, I, well, I was, I, agent, first thing I was thinking too. the same team. Yeah. Still. Kay. I'll go Cody Bellinger. Yeah. Okay. One more fan question. Okay. From Yotaro, the Rays have been dominant through the start of the season, and they are doing so with a lot of young, homegrown talent. What makes the Rays players' development so effective, and can other teams learn from them? I think this is a very interesting question that nobody really knows the answer to unless you're talking to players on the team. And fortunately, over the last couple of years, I've talked to quite a few of the Rays. Ryan Yarbrough, pitcher being one of them. Tyler Glass now, pitcher being one of them as well. So from everything I've heard and talked to with players on that team and one of my good friends and former teammates in the Tigers organization, Willie Adamas, played there for, for years. And that's where he got his real start in the big leagues and became an established big leaguer. Everyone says from the second you get there, their analytics department immediately puts you in the best position to succeed and the argument to that could be well isn't every team doing that and the answer i would say is every team is trying yeah to do that right no team is out there saying Haha, we're gonna get you well you also have to get like analytic experts so it takes like you gotta a get the right people. It, it takes a completely different staff and are is the team willing to invest in that staff to have that department also along with your coaches on the field who are helping you be a better player but then also the behind the scenes understand how you can get there by yeah. knowing your analytics mentally so the whole analytics movement really yeah. kind of started during my time in professional baseball and I was able to see and you started hearing things like the Tampa Bay Rays are light years ahead mm -hmm. of anybody else analytically and I don't know what that means I know I was in the Detroit Tigers organization where we were doing nothing yeah analytically the Detroit Tigers we're in the dark ages when it came to stuff like that. And, and then you start talking to players and I have friends in that organization. And what I mean by they just put them in the best position to succeed. You hire the best guys, you hire the smartest guys, and then you bring them in. They're able to look at numbers and they might not be the biggest baseball guys, right? They not, they might not be able to say, Hey, Wander Franco, here's what you're doing with your swing. You need to change that a little bit. Or, hey, Shane McClanahan, here's what you're doing on the mound. Maybe move your fingers a little bit on the ball. You'll get more movement like this. Nope. They're able to say, hey, this is what you were doing. This pitch plays really well for you, but you only throw it 2% of the time. We want that to be closer to 40% of the mm -hmm. time. And that's where you're seeing this big shift with guys is they're being put in positions to su succeed by doing what they do best more often and they have better people in place to do that and a better system in place because they've been doing it longer than anybody else in the game of baseball so everybody else is playing the catch-up game to the tampa bay rays which isn't an easy game to do when the rays keep going upwards right and the other hardest part is when you bring in these analytic guys you have to have your gm your manager your coaching staff and the players all buy in yeah it has to be a really comfortable marriage 
Because yep. it's not hard on one side analytics, hard side just what's happening on the field. Right. You have to respect what the other person is trying to tell you and marry it together right. in a cohesive way. Everyone needs to be pulling from the same end of the rope, yeah. if you will. Everybody yeah. needs to be working together. And unfortunately, for a while, and I saw this up close and personal oh, I've seen it too. in my organization, you had people that were like, analytics is the new wave. And then other people like, no, yeah. no, it's not. It's field. Old school baseball. Yeah. This is what you need to do. And I could get into the you know, mechanics of hitting, it work. but the Tigers hitting philosophy when I was there in the minor leagues was very, very old school. And I was going to this coach that was very new school and it's now the new way in baseball, mm -hmm. but was continued to tell swing down on the ball, create backswing down and backspin. And it's just like, guys, we're in the dark ages here. Yeah. But, and then there were these people that analytically were starting to be brought in. But to your point, Alex, everybody needs to be on the same page mm -hmm. and the Tampa Bay Rays for over a decade now, analytically, have been on the same page. And that's why we see them able to perform so well with a payroll that can't compete with everybody else or doesn't compete, yeah. I would say, with everybody else. But they're just ahead of everybody else. Good question there. Good show, Alex. Great show. NFL Great draft. draft day today. Our draft was today. That Happy was a lot of fun. Happy dreams come true day. We're going to look back. We'll... We'll write our draft down, okay. and in 20 years, oh, okay. we're gonna. I'll pull it out of my wallet, cool. and we'll look back, and cool, we'll cool, be cool, like, cool, whose cool, team cool. was better? <laughs> Thank you all for listening to this Thursday episode of Flippin' Bats. This one was a blast. We will be back tomorrow as well on Friday, but for this Thursday episode, that does it. Make sure you like, subscribe anywhere you listen to your podcast. We're also on all social media as well. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and you can watch every single episode on YouTube as well at Flippin' Bats Pod for all. Of Thank you all for listening for this Thursday episode of Flippin' Bats. That is all. Until next time. <laughs>